Want the reward? Do the damn work. Challenge yourself. Inspire change. Choice, not luck. What's happening, everybody? Todd Crandall from Ignite Euphoria with yet another awesome podcast. And I have a good old school friend and member of Racing for Recovery with us today, Randy Baduris. How are you, sir? I'm good, but I don't know about the old thing. I think you should like tone that down a bit. <laughs> a, a young veteran who's been coming here for a while. <laughs> How about go. that? I can accept that. Right. A grizzled veteran. <laughs> that I am. Right? That I am. It has been a while since I've seen you. Yeah, yeah, with the COVID thing, I think like everybody, especially when you hit it my age group, which is which is uh, semi-middle-aged, you everybody kind of shut down. So I, I did the same for a while there, and then I, I work up in Detroit, so it's it's hard to stay connected. But I do through a few people that are uh, participating, so I kind of I kind of get the lowdown and everything that's going on and the growth. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, racing for recovery is bigger and better than than ever and it's weird to say that during this time but we're growing tremendously and i'm we were talking before we started we're hopeful to get the in-house support group meetings going again because it's been over a year since we've really been doing that well the good news is your business is growing the bad news addiction is too yep agreed so there's it's a a never-ending war i guess so how about this for an opening question? Uh, and I just thought of this while we were talking a second ago. Why don't we start with you explaining who you are and what you do? Right. And that will help me get back into some other stuff. But who is Randy and what do you do? Well, wow. that's a complicated question. Um, I'm a small businessman. I'm a dad, which is why I started coming here. Um, 65 years old 65 years young let's let's say that um but uh uh, i started coming here for my daughter and i had two daughters and my youngest barbara was as you know just a beautiful sweet soul beautiful physically and inside and out sadly she was born with a a disease called cystic fibrosis which is a genetic defect and it's a very tough disease and uh through the throes of her dealing with the, the CF, she got um, addicted, started with alcohol and, and, and then progressed from there, and eventually was heroin and opioids. And, and, uh, it, and then I'll go, go back to CF. CF is something that affects the, the, the lungs, the digestive tract, the sinuses. We did not discover Barbie had it until she was 21, which was is a, it's a sad thing now it's a law babies get tested but uh she struggled with health her whole life and sadly as i you know i I always had my business and if you if you run a business you work all the time and since she has passed i've gone through some of her old things and i've got a little paper um a little booklet that she made i think was third or fourth grade and it was about barbara baduras and the first thing she said was i am barbara baduras i am always sick and uh, I did not even know that. Well, we just thought she had colds all the time. Anyway, she got teased a lot for that. And I think there was this thing inside her, and maybe that's what a lot of addiction stems, stems from, which is low self-esteem. And she started trying to please people and got into drinking 
trying to fit into a crowd and it just she had an addictive personality and uh it's interesting the story how i met you is a great one i think i was i got up one early, early one morning and i was watching tv and you were being interviewed on the local tv station and i was like i gotta find that guy i gotta find that guy and i drove out of my subdivision and there this guy goes running past and i go that's that guy and i turned left and i thought nope no, I, I, I got to talk to him. I turn around and I <laughs> literally cut you off in the parking lot of Savannah Country Club or uh-huh, Highland Meadows Country Club. And I and I I said, hey, I, I need to talk to you about my kid. And, and you gave me your phone number. And that's how we met. Yep. And so it, it was uh, it was the first time I had some hope. And, and I think maybe we got to Barb a little too late down the, her path. Um you know, combined with her health issues, but she passed away October the 16th of 2015. And uh, for, for a parent, that's kind of the worst thing that can happen. So I've stayed plugged in. As you know, I've got a few people that are plugged in here that I steer into, and I always try to be available. Um, being from my position as a parent, as a, as a we'll call it a, a uh, volunteer, it's like herding cats with addicts. You know, they kind of you're kind of trying to force them into a, a um, direction, and until they grab the the brass ring and they take responsibility, they don't change. But you know, my position was uh, my goal was to keep them in the place where that brass ring was right there. When they were ready, they would grab it. So, how's that? That's good. <laughs> uh, you're just keeping me on my toes as usual. Where to shift from here? It's uh, I I was going to ask you like when we met because I, I remember that day like it was yesterday and then I also unfortunately remember coming back from a run and getting the phone call from you that what happened to, to Barbie so I have a, a myriad of questions and all this um, let's do this for I'm going to ask you this one first do you think that if we had Barbie come in to Racing for Recovery today with everything that we have now that your other person is utilizing and is doing very well, by the way. Do you think if we were at the level we're at today, she would have made it? I, I think so. And, you know, it, everybody's different. There's no, yep. there's no one size fits all. Agreed. Barbie... And I think people that are where Barbie is, Barbie was very addicted. She had health issues. Uh, she had emotional issues. She, she had a lot of stuff going on. She needed to be in a protected environment, in my opinion, almost immersed into a situation where her life was working on that. And one of the things I noticed, and I've seen this with many people that are struggling, is they kind of don't want to give up that, that life that is the, we'll call it the normal life. So they got one foot on the boat and one foot on shore. Barbara used to always say, Dad, I don't, I don't want I need to, I need to have a job. You know, I, I need to have my own place. Too. I mean, I can't just jump in and be so sober. Well, yeah, you can. Exactly. Because giving up a year or two of your life to, for the rest of your life to be right is nothing. So, yes, if she could have been in an environment where she, was, she got up in the morning and focused on it, because I believe the brain needs to be rewired. And maybe some people need to be immersed in this atmosphere the rest of their life. And if that's what it takes, fine. That's a good life. But but there's there, there's no question. 
you know, I used to get very frustrated with law enforcement. She would get arrested for buying drugs. And rather than separate her from her addiction, they would put her right back into it and go, hey, you got to turn, go, buy, go do a drug buy so we can catch your, your dealer. They wanted to work up the chain. I understand the intentions are good. But for my kid, that kept her in the addiction. So she needed to be separated from it. She needed to not have the opportunity so she'd have time to, to rewire the brain and then start to feel good. Because as you know, exercise, fitness, good diet, it's part of that. When you feel really good, you don't want to feel bad. And, but people get used to feeling like, you know what, guano. I'll, I'll be the politically correct way to say it. So, yeah, I, I, and I have, you know, I've always told you I have, I have these dreams of having a camp recovery where somebody, it's almost like, it's not a jail, but you're out in the middle of the country, you, you're out in nature, you've got animals to take care of, you're, you're, you're doing the right things all the time. And I don't know how long it takes, maybe one, two years for somebody that's really immersed to get the brain rewired, but that's what it takes. You know, we're, we're in the process of building our own um, uh, housing unit that's going to have a detox. And I think of those two things, Barbie obviously needed a detox a couple yeah. of times, right? And then if we, if we had what we're going to be building here in the next couple of months, that would give her the opportunity to rewire that, not only the brain, but to, to build new, I don't like being cliche, but build new life skills we're not going to yeah. call them coping skills but just getting immersed in this with everything that we do i i remember like talking to her she'd come and see me like once a week in the old office that tiny little yeah. thing in sylvania right she'd come in once a week and we'd have these amazing conversations and she was all excited but even in, for me back then i'm like man this isn't enough seeing me for an hour although it's a good conversation it's just not that's not a lifestyle yeah now this is a lifestyle for people to exactly. use, and I, exactly. I, I miss her greatly on a, on many levels. But I, I always say, I'm like, man, why didn't we get this before? You know, and you can what if all that to death. You know, I, I do that all the time. It's, and you can't. You know, I, I realized I wasn't responsible. You know, at some yeah. point, yeah. you people become an adult and they have to take charge. Mm -hmm. If I could say the things that I did wrong as a parent, one of the things I lament the most was enabling her. And I didn't re realize it because she was sick with cystic fibrosis. Yeah. She had she would use that as a lever oftentimes. And I had this great fear that I was somehow if I didn't intervene that that she might die. Well she did and I intervened all the time, but in in essence I kicked the can down the road continuously by not letting her have the consequences of what she was going through. Those consequences are what make people change. Yeah. I've got a business partner who was a recovering alcoholic and he, one of his statements I've never forgotten is when the pain of the addiction becomes greater than the pain of change they change if you're a parent and you take away the pain of the addiction why change and so I, I did that you know again she was an adult she was responsible but there's things as adults we can do to help our children become sober get clean uh, and, and I've said this to you before too, as well. As parents, when we when we get sucked into that, hmm. we need help as much as our kids do, because we're sucked into the addiction. We're starting to act like a codependent. There's almost an adrenaline rush to saving our kid. It's 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 not it's not correct. So well, that's been one of the 
great things about forming Racing for Recovery and making it the first program that combined family members with this. Because even I knew as a person that was on drugs and coming off of drugs, I'm like, there's more to this story than me just quitting substance abuse. It's like the families need some help in this as well. So you've been coming to us for uh, many years. Why don't you talk about the process of learning what enabling the addiction the the consequences of that, if you will, using your word, and what have you learned that you can say now to help other parents that are in your former shoes? Well, yeah, I, I've been coming here since I think 2013. Yeah. So that's 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 eight years, maybe before that, it might even be 2010. I think the I, I remember going to a uh, Al-Anon meeting, and and. Uh, Telling the group there, you know, I, I was afraid my my daughter was going to die. I was doing everything I could, and somebody they kind of laughed, which hurt my feelings a little bit. But they said, "You don't have any. You need to take care of you, and and get yourself right because you're no good to your daughter if you're just as screwed up as she is." Right. And kind of again, it's that thing you get sucked down the rabbit hole with them trying to save their lives. So once you understand that, I think, and come to that that realization that okay, I need some help too because this is destroying me as well, and start down that journey of going to meetings and understanding what's going on, that's when I could actually start to feel or see the things that that Barbie was doing where I was being manipulated. Like I would give her money. She would say, Dad, I can't pay my electric bill. I'd give her the money for the electric bill. She didn't pay the electric bill. She wouldn't bought drugs with it. Or I can't pay my rent. Or I broke my car. I need to have my car fixed she shouldn't have had her car fixed. And again, it, I think it's that thing of understanding what love really is as opposed to enabling. And I remember finally saying to myself in my head, okay, by saying no, I'm, it's love. By saying no, I'm loving her, even though she will protest like a four-year-old going th- over or having a tantrum over not getting a piece of candy, but that's what addicts do. And once I learned that, I started to really, it's like the blinders came off my eyes. I could see when I was being manipulated and I could call her out on it. I remember many times I said, Barbie, you're manipulating. Don't do that. Here's what you're thinking. I know what you're doing. And she would go, okay, you're right. And it's like, we were really close. If she hadn't gotten sick in the end there, I think she would have turned the corner. Hmm. Sorry. Okay. But but uh, I still do that. It's five, almost six years yeah. or five years here, and I, you know, it, it never goes away. And I will say that as a parent, you don't want to go through this. It, it's it's always there. You never, it, it'll it gets better, but the the grief comes in waves sometimes when you when you when you talk about it. And sometimes talking about it's good, and sometimes it's painful. But so the the journey is is everybody's the captain of their own ship. That means the parent, the kid the family. And I think often there's dysfunction in families. If you really look at it too, I can see a family or a parent will come here and I'll go, boy, that was me about 10 years ago. I can see it. And I want to grab them and say, hey, listen to me. Just focus on you. You get better. And it's amazing how when you do, your kid kind of follows you into that. Absolutely. So let's do some positive stuff. What, what did Barbie learn here? Well, I, I remember the first time she came, she came home and I said, how'd it go? And she said, Daddy, this is the first time I feel hope. She says, I felt wow. like there's no hope for me. 
She said, I feel hope. And I think what it, you know, the positive thing for Barbie was she could see a path. It wasn't sit down and beat yourself up. I'm no, I'm no good. I've got to fight this. It's like a tug of war. I got to get stronger. It was like, in essence, she had to learn to surrender herself to the program. Hmm. Let go of, it's not a fight. It's more of a just get on the path. And, and, and she, she really, she loved you. She loved this program. She felt hope here. She made some friends here. Uh, again, as go back to my herding cats metaphor, people come and then they go, then they come back and then they go and then they come back, but people evolve. They get the tools and finally they get to the point where they go, okay, I don't want to do this anymore. This is not fun. This just makes me broke, makes me sick. You know, I lose all my friends. I lose my family. You know, what's the value of being an addict? There's not much. So she found hope, I think, here. And I could see it, too. I've seen a lot of people get better here. And and uh, it's positive reinforcement. It's building them up, not just tearing them down. And that's when I see some programs just, it's a... I agree. It's tear down. I remember the first time talking to her back in... That old office in Sylvania. Remember how small that room was? It, it was. Oh, my God. It was, but, you know. It was effective. It, it works. It was a start. But I remember talking to her one of the first times, and and I asked her, and I do this to a lot of people when I see the first time, I said, has anybody ever talked to you like this? Has anybody ever asked you these questions that I'm asking you? And she was she's like, no, never. And that was one of the things that connected us right off the bat as she was like, wow, that you may not have had the same situation I had. Obviously, I didn't have the medical issues, but the emotional yeah. hurt behind a lot of that stuff, that connection is where I think every therapeutic foundation is, is built upon. And we, she had that. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's, there's no question. I think, too, you know, you put yourself in her shoes, she would come here and she would be around a bunch of addicts, but a b- bunch of addicts that are getting better. Right. Not a bunch of addicts that are practicing their their craft if you yeah. will yeah and that was good and it, it's attractive it, it, it's it's attractive to see people who have overcome it because you can look at them as an addict and go it's possible it's possible to beat this you know and and so that's what you know one foot in front of the other step by step people get better and uh, i see that here and it, obviously that's why you're why you've grown well uh, that's why our slogan is with sobriety anything is possible it it's true yeah. I, let's talk about this. She, you mentioned this earlier with, with CF and that being a, a traumatic thing and even you finding that letter where she said, and I'm Barbie and I'm always sick. It's like, wow, what a statement. Do you think that was the, her first trauma? Yeah, I, I do. Um, she got an award, I think, in third grade. You know, they gave, would give out awards to the kids at the end of the year and she got the award for the person who used the most tissues and if you understand what cf is it affects the lungs the sinuses and as she said i asked her once what it was like she said dad it's like having a bad cold your whole life never goes away and she would have operations they would go in and and basically roto root her out her sinuses so that because the walls would get thickened her mucous membranes so that was her first award and she was so ashamed of that she got teased you know, she told me that in high school she was teased for blowing her nose and the rumor went around school that she had AIDS. And so she would go and eat her, her lunch in the lunch or in the bathroom. She would sit in the stall and eat to keep from being teased. And so 
Yeah, that's the root of her trauma. And I think if she would have grown up with it, and we would have known it, and she would have gone to school and people would have known she had cystic fibrosis with understanding, maybe they wouldn't have been so cruel to her. Mm. And, and I, again, I can even, it's hard for me to even imagine it because, you know, she was beautiful. She looked mm. like Angelina Jolie. Mm. I can't imagine anybody, but girls got jealous, and and uh, I think a lot of that came from from the female side of the teasing her. And you know, it's so much. I've I've heard her describe where she used to eat her lunch. I think I went to the same high school at that, and I think yeah. a not to downgrade Sylvania, but it's appalling that in that community that people are raising their kids to do that kind of behavior it's it's disturbing i know they're not doing it deliberately as parents no. and i'm not blaming the parents it's just like with every opportunity to be successful um kind that when i hear things like that that kids endure it's 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 tough you know when Young young people, just they don't know, I think, a lot of it. And I, and I, I think you get used to being in a clique. I, I, this is a something I want to share. So when I first came here, I was like, ooh, I was uncomfortable because I saw these people with tattoos and they'd been in prison and struggled in life and grown up on the streets. And I come to find, once I got to know these people, some of the most amazing people I've ever met in my life, yeah. the wisdom that they have from what they've been through, it changed me. But when you live in that Sylvania community, which is which is a higher income community, you live in a bubble. Mm. You just don't understand what it's like. It changed me to the fact that I now volunteer for an organization in Highland Park, Michigan, which is the heart of the inner city. But I wouldn't be doing that if I hadn't come here and learned, wow, these are good people. They just need sometimes a, a leg up, some direction. I'm trying to mentor small business operators and... Um, it's pretty cool. It feels good to help people, and uh, I'm digressing here, but no, but, uh, it's it's good. It, it, I but, mean, that old statement: you can't judge a book by its cover. You know, instead of judging somebody whose nose is running, how about asking them, "Are you okay? What's yeah. happening?" And I and I think that's the thing of a teenager; they're trying to fit in. But as we, you know, as we get older and we get our our backsides kicked five days a week. Mm. And, you know, twice on Saturday and three times on Sunday, we learned that, hey, humility is not a bad thing, and there's none of us are perfect. Some of us put the facade on that we're perfect, but when you really dig underneath that, that it's like we're all failed human beings. We need we need help. Absolutely. There's no question. So you want to let's – let's shift gears a little bit. Talk – well, I'll say this. I admire you as a – well, as a human being – but your drive to never give up on what your your business dreams are to take care of kids and yourself and help other people that has been a motivating factor for me to not give up on getting this to where it is and our paths have kind of mirrored each other along the way do you want to share with everybody like what you've been trying to do all these years and what you've overcome either i'm i'm uh, either i've got a, a brilliant vision or i'm just dumb and stubborn i'm not, I'm not sure some days but uh, i uh, i've been developing a process to print magnets and and it's and it's i i, I can do it um, and, and i got into packaging but as as you learn in life there's always a new mountain to climb so every time i solve one problem there's five more 
And uh, I'm not wildly um, successful on monetary terms, um, but I'm, I'm happy with myself because I've learned something very profound is that you only fail when you quit. So I never quit. I always find a way to survive when there's another mountain in front of me. It's like, okay, rather than go, okay, I'm tired. I'm not going to do it. I, I, I really literally, literally go, okay, how do I climb this one or get around it? And you find that those are life skills with everything. It's not just a business. Um, and I've survived and, and I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. I've got a business. Um, but the most important part I've learned from it is that, that uh, if you don't quit, you don't fail. Beautifully said. And when you do fail, it's not really a failure. It's basically a lesson. And uh, it gives you the breadcrumbs you follow to the hopefully the understanding of, of what does work and what doesn't work. But I, I don't know if this Edison said it, is that I never failed. You know, when I was inventing the light bulb, I yeah. just found out 10,000 ways not to do it. I love that. You know, and that's life. The, the failure word is something that people that come here at Racing for Recovery and our educational groups or the support groups, they'll say, I, you know, I failed. And I, I say, well, you haven't failed. You just haven't succeeded yet. And my daughter, Skylar, who now works here, I remember when, um, when we first premiered our second movie, Running with Demons, out at, at a Tamashan or all those years ago, I, I was saying how I was a failure. I was a failure. And she was in sixth grade at the time and came up to me after the movie was over and she said, Dad, you're not a failure. And I thought, if my sixth grader can recognize that, then me as a grown man, I should be able to understand that as well. And it changed my whole perspective. It's not, we're not failing. Like you said, it's just, it's another opportunity to learn what didn't work. It, it is. And you know, the other thing is, as human beings, we get caught up in this thing of, of Society, it's our culture of trying to impress people that we're yeah. successful. Well, what is success? Right. If you ask your sixth grade daughter, she just wants her dad. Right. She just wants, life is simple. And I go to Warren Buffett says, the secret to happiness is living below your means. That's a profound statement. And I've learned that in my old age. I didn't always live that way. Um, but success is something that's it's, it's, it's simple. It's, it's learning to be, find joy when the guano is hitting the fan. And everything, when things aren't right, finding your peace in the struggle. And I always tell people, embrace the grind. That's an Urban Meyer thing. But in life, it's just like, you got to be like a plow horse. You got to love to plow. And that's where you find your joy. Yeah. It's not getting to the other side of the field. No. Because there, okay, I'm there now. What do I do? Keep plowing. And love love that. And and that's the way we find joy. And that's also an addiction when you get to that point where you can find the simple joy of where you're at in the struggle all of a sudden, it's not a struggle; it's a joy. It's. I think of the uh, of the four big ideas in our Cleveland book. Number three is we're not immune to life's hardships, no, right? Never. But as long as you don't use those hardships, become assets, educational pieces, as you said, right? And it's yeah. not I've arrived, I've got this, and it's over. It's like I never want to feel like that. It's like let's enjoy the journey. Yeah, tick off a couple accomplishments you wanted to do, but then what's the what's the next thing? I, I just had an, an experience about a, three weeks ago. With I was helping a friend change out her uh, faucet in her sink, and her her boyfriend, who was not very mechanical, <laughs> and I'm I'm old and broken. It's hard for me to even bend over, so I had to kind of direct him through it. It was a struggle for him, and he was not used to doing this. Finally, he got done. 
and I and we we stepped back and I said, "Is that cool or what, man? You just changed the faucet." And I said, "Turn it on." He turned it on. He started to laugh. It's the simple things. Yeah, it's really simple things. I could not fix anything. Though I will be calling you if something breaks at my place. Well, I'm not too good at it either, <laughs> but I'm always willing to try. As 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 my ex-wife would tell you, is that I broke more things than I fixed. <laughs> but there was always a plumber or an electrician we could call to clean up after clean up me. the mess. But at least they tried. You know. Hey, uh, we haven't talked about this. Uh, tell everybody about what it was like to ride your bike across the country. For God's sakes, oh, what's the matter with you? Who does something like that? Well. I think I'm sitting across from somebody who does stuff like that. I rode my bike across the country in 2007, and I did it for Barbie. Yeah. I did it for myself, too. It was, it, was, it was cathartic in the sense I was struggling through a lot of stuff personally. Barbie was struggling through a lot of stuff. But I rode a bicycle from the Golden Gate Bridge to the Brooklyn Bridge. And I have to say, and this is another one of those things where I learned one step at a time, in this case, one pedal at a time. Through life, through my my ride, there were many days I wanted to quit. I got caught in a blizzard running, riding through the Sierra Nevadas, and it was a near-death experience, let me tell you. Finally, I threw my bike in the back of my van that was following me and said, get to the other side. This is not, this is not safe. But I remember actually having this experience about Chicago and thinking, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And it was such a confidence builder like going through your journey of addiction. Yeah. But it was the most awesome, awesome experience riding through Nevada. I loved Nevada. I never thought I would. That was my favorite place. Wow. It was remote. I saw antelope, deer, wild horses, a few truckers, but not many people. And it, it was it was cool, but great experience. Got to meet Boomer um, Esiason at the end of it. He's got a foundation. He's yeah. got a, a kid with cystic fibrosis. And rode my bike across the other side of the Brooklyn Bridge and uh, didn't ride for about six months after that. Needed a break, but cool experience. Would you do it again? Absolutely. Um, if my back will let me do it, I'm still struggling through that. I, I would like to do it once more because it was so much fun. But it, it's it's harder. I was, I think, 52 then. I'm 65 now. Um, my old body isn't quite as good as it used to be, yeah. as they say. I've, I've been asked for years for people to do something like that. As a, and I, I, the only, I would only do it if we could do it as a Racing for Recovery team. You know, I have no desire to do a, a one-man effort through that. But if we could do a team with all of us doing it, that would be something that would be cool. I could tell you a good one. Now, I did, in 2018, I rode from Sylvania to Traverse City. Okay. And about 275 miles, I think, all told. Now, that would be a good thing for a group to do there's a lot of back roads through michigan to get there and the destination is wonderful too so two-day event for that and it took me four okay four-day event that's but fine I, doesn't matter right? yeah, i had a, we had a storm but um you know you're riding i had one one day did 90 and then the next day the we had a big storm and trees got blown away to sit tight for a day while the roads got cleared and everything but but yeah it's uh, you know 60 70 a day you're you're there pretty quick and and uh, it's fun it's peaceful up there too. It is, and all the back roads. It just there's something about it. Maybe it forces you to sort of be in touch with yourself when you don't have a lot of this noise. And another thing I think in our world today, we're just surrounded by digital noise. Mm. You know, people, roads, all kinds of of of, of man-made stuff. When you get away from that and get in what I call nature, God's country, 
you think different. You calm down. You can think clearer when you don't have all the noise around you. So that's why I love to do it. We were talking earlier, too, about, about biking and the difference between riding outside and riding inside. And I, I was saying I ride inside now basically for safety yeah. and also weather. It's not You can't ride outside here when it's two degrees outside. Well, I guess you could, but I don't want to do that anymore either. But for mainly for safety reasons. Yeah. But when you were talking about how you like to get out and feel nature, it's like, yeah, there's that, that element. is that's the, that's the point of going outside, right? Well, when I was able to run like you still can, which I, I don't hate you for, but, but I remember those days when you could just smell everything, and uh, it was a, it's a great feeling. It's yeah. those, maybe it's the endorphins I got addicted to. But being my age, I can ride a bike for five hours and I don't feel the pain yeah. in my knees or my hips. I still get that rush of, of, of being outside and, and feeling the wind in my face. So well, and that's really connected. Again, the, the two things that I utilized on day one of sobriety were exercise and fruit smoothies that my grandma was making <laughs> me. And that's the foundation of everything that racing for recovery is has been built upon and you know some people are like ah it's just all about running and i'm like you got to look into what we're really doing if you can do those two things which by the way are free you know you walk outside and take a breath of fresh air it doesn't cost you anything but gives you the mental fortitude to then have the drive to succeed academically business-wise spiritually whatever and that's what i think a lot of people are missing it's it's an hour of your day that if you invest in yourself by doing that, it enhances the other 23 hours of the day. It does. You, and it doesn't have to be riding a bike or running. It can be walking. Right. It can be painting a picture or reading a book. But you have to detach from the noise for a long enough period that the, the steam go, kind of goes out of, of the anxiety. I, I think a lot of, I could go back to Bar Barbie. She had a lot of anxiety from her experiences in her life. And she, the way she coped with it, she took a pill. She, yeah. she she did heroin. That gave her her escape from that anxiety or this you know low self esteem, whatever you want to call that stuff. There's a healthy way to escape that, and that's what racing is about. Absolutely. Maybe it should be journey to through recovery. I don't know, but because people do get this preconceived notion uh, of this is what it is when it's it's really much deeper than that. And 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 I'm I'm preaching for you here, but it's about diet. It's about fitness on some level and it's about being immersed and understanding peeling back the onion of why do i do what i do yeah. you know what's going on here there's a there's usually a, a little grain of something at the cell it's the it's the the source 100 percent. so 100 percent. anything else you want to say or anything you want to ask me uh, you know i i just if if somebody is a parent out there listening, I would just tell you, come to meetings. Yeah. You need help first because you're no good to your kid if you're just struggling as well. Um, and it's hard to be humble about that, but humility is the to me the the is the is the road to wisdom and enlightenment. When you can kind of say, okay, it's like being on a football team, selfless team first. Well, when you can let go of all that stuff, come to meetings. Yeah become enlightened about what's really going on. Then you begin to understand what your child is doing. If you're an addict, it's about understanding what you're doing. Yeah. So I don't know if I have any questions. I, I can't think of anything. I, I just, uh, you know, I believe in this organization. Mm -hmm. I remember telling you, make sure 
that if you get hit by a bus, that this thing can keep going. And I think you've done that. So yeah. kudos to you for that. I appreciate that. The, one of the greatest achievements is to have the people that work with me here. And I, I never say for me, people, I'm fortunate to have people work with me. Well, we don't work. This is a privilege to be here. But our staff is 19 people right now. Yeah. And we've had this conversation. I, I didn't start this as Todd Crandall. It's called Racing for Recovery because it's about the program. And to finally get it there where my role in this has diminished greatly. I found my niche. I know what I do at it. And I've let other more qualified, better people actually do what we're doing. And it's, it's taken off. And I am thankful for that. I mean, it took... 15 years to get to that spot all those years we sat in that church on thursday night hoping and talking about it but if you keep plowing yep eventually it's going to come to harvest yeah and i'll tell you i was when you got this building i was a little nervous about it i think i told you that i was like man that's a lot of overhead but that's where having a vision gets you through with that and you know i'm sure there's there were nights where you think how am i going to pay the light bills how am i going to do this and that's what that's what i struggle with at times but when you have the vision, you can see the destination, and that's what keeps you going. So it's, it's, it's really neat to see. It's necessary. Yep. I mean, I, I, uh, this addiction stuff is just not going away. It's not. I, uh, I'm going back to what you were saying earlier about the, the meetings, which, by the way, were, were, are, and always will be. We're free. We don't pass the hat and all that stuff. But I think of the... The relationships that have been made in those meetings, the the education that was freely offered, the jobs that have come from that, the the marriages, the the kids that have come from that, all that stuff that generated from one simple giving back on a Thursday night, that's remarkable. You know, and and that's really important. I want to say this too. Think of like throwing a a rock in a pond and the ripple that goes out that's the effect that you can have on people when you give back and i think that's the effect you're having and you may never know the effects that you are the or the difference that you've made in a lot of people's lives because you affected one person who affected another person and another person but that's really how you you change hearts and minds that's how you change the world for the better it's uh it's it's the right way to do it and sometimes you can't see you can't save the world but if you save a few people it's amazing how it, it 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 can grow from there and it costs nothing to do that no well it actually you get paid back because the yeah. feeling of the reward of helping other people's is really it's like gas in the engine absolutely yeah but it's been a pleasure talking to you today thank you and uh like i said i hope to well by the time this airs hopefully we're sitting back in there on thursdays again yeah that'd be nice wouldn't it'd be it? great huh yeah Okay, everybody, thanks for watching. Please share this. Um, If you're a family member that's been battling this stuff that Randy was discussing, please call Racing for Recovery, 419-824-8462. Check out our podcast on Ignite Euphoria or the Racing for Recovery YouTube page. With sobriety, anything is possible. And until next time, have an awesome day.